episode 387 of Global From Asia. Ready for this phase? Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. I'm so excited with this one. I believe so. We have a wonderful guest and you know that we really enjoy this kiss and you know that because I know it was so funny because of the blue for us, but <laughs> this was with Coron. Hi, oh, hi, hi. Yeah. And we really enjoyed talking more. You know that we've been about alternatives to selling your business and such. We learned a lot from Coron. What can you say? And yeah. anything that excites you with this episode? Yeah, I mean, like you said, there was a little bit of a blooper. Maybe <laughs> I'm not sure where the editor Alvin should put it, but if you want to show it, I guess it won't be as nice on audio. So but uh, yeah, we did this outside, you know, Corin's a good friend. He's been at some of our conferences as a speaker in the, in the community. He's also been on the show before. So I, was, I saw he was in town. So uh, we met up and did this recording in person and alternatives to selling your business is, is a topic. And I think both of us, you and I were both learning a lot. There's a, a stack of books on my list that he was recommending mm -hmm. and uh, it was pretty fascinating. But uh, before we get into the interview, we just finished Thanksgiving. Exactly. It's really, a th it's almost it's just a pure American holiday. Not really. A I agree. Yeah, no, nobody here. My kids were in school. It was just normal business. So. Exactly, exactly. It's, just, it's not so much here in Asia, also here in the Philippines specifically. So, but I just went here in BGC exactly on Thanksgiving Day. So, just, you know, spending time and spending time with my family. And, and of course, connection to that, of course, we know that Christmas is big here in Asia. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your plans in Christmas? I believe so that when it's going again, anything that excites you about Christmas? I want to ask you, I haven't asked you that already. So yeah, what excites so. you about Christmas? I mean, you know, I haven't been to the States since I think the last Christmas was 2006 or 2007. What? So in the U.S. for Christmas. All the time. Maybe I'm wrong. From my recollection, I mean, of course, I've been back, but not during Christmas, if I can recall. But also, you know, like you mentioned, Wendy's not, she's in Bhutan. She's leaving. Yeah. Tomorrow. Well, by the time the show's online, but she leaves Saturday. Just, she'll be gone for a whole month. So Christmas will just be with me and the kids. And gotcha. I mean, there's neighbors. There's some other, like, you know, other, uh, you know, Westerners in this, like, neighborhood. And But I keep it simple, you know. Got it. I, I guess you 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 know I think you too Faith you're, you're a hard worker too but I'm I'm like a workaholic like I've been asked to not work by people on the in the team and friends or like saying stop working but yeah like I it's really sick your blood I like to work because people are not not asking not I I can just focus on work it's quiet you know there's nobody like emailing or messaging it's like quiet so I I. Okay. I my one memory my my she's passed away now but my grandmother Nana, she says to me, I was building a actually it was New York Bar Stores UK website in two thousand man it might have been two thousand five or something. Time. I was there like in my in the dining room of my family's house you know visiting. Maybe it was Christmas. Yeah, no, this is before I left Asia and I was building the UK website on Christmas Day, 
like it was like you know after dinner and everybody's like watching tv you know like everybody had the turkey or whatever and i'm sitting there in the dark yeah i kind of like a geek you know sitting in the dark and i'm like on my computer working on a website html <laughs> and my grandmother's like comes from the living room and she's like you work so hard to give other people jobs i guess we need people like you it's what my grandmother said i'm something <laughs> Well, we cannot change that. If that's in your veins and you just feel like working and work and then you're happy about that's that's what matters, right? That's what matters. And me too. I totally agree. A lot of times I would just work on weekends. And you know, lately I've been listening to Rob Dial, actually. Mm. I don't know if you know Rob Dial. So Rob Dial is like a motivational speaker. I've been listening to this podcast while doing the processes of a lot of things, honestly. So I've been doing that lately. So I don't know. I'm pretty workaholic, I can say. So it's just, we. there's no reason about it behind it, you're saying? No, I just said, like, honestly, with Corey's interview, I'll talk about it in the outro because I think it's fascinating, but he wouldn't, I don't know. I don't think he agrees with us because some of the things he was saying about the reasons he started a business and other points in the interview that we're going to go into are kind of conflicting with with our discussions. <laughs> I think maybe we'll go into the interview and then I, I, we can continue this workaholic discussion. But he he says otherwise about starting a business. So it's interesting. Exactly. Well. I just want to tap into it already. Yeah, let's go. The people and listeners and our watchers here for this podcast episode. I know you're pretty ready. You're pretty excited. Well, we don't want to keep you waiting. Let's just get into it, tune in, and get ready for this wonderful podcast episode. Let's do it. Let's rock. Are you looking for a cross-border logistics company from Asia to the East and the West? Then look no further, Cross Better Logistics is a solution for you. From ocean shipping to air freight, from factory to 3PL warehouse, Amazon FBA, and Walmart. Cross Better Logistics is an experienced service provider for e-commerce sellers and B2B traders on TPS Trade. As a GFA partner level sponsor, let them know we sent you and they'll take care of you. Check them out at www.crossbetter.com today. Hello everyone, welcome back and we are here again in our podcast here at the GFA podcast. And again, we welcome back our wonderful guest here, Corin Woodmas. And it's been a pleasure to have you involved with the community over the years and speaking at our cross-border conferences and being a guest here on our show and also being positive with yourself as always. Well, again, I, I don't want to take it too long. Well, can you introduce yourself today, Corin? We are so happy to have you today. Yeah. Well, thanks, Faith. Thanks, Mike, for, for having me back. How would I describe myself? Something I'm trying right now is I'm semi-retired. I'm an advisor, investor, and business owner. So that's that's me currently living in, in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Just got here two weeks ago, and Mike's here, so we, we decided to catch up. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. It's great to see you again. Yeah. It's really awesome. And it is hot. <laughs> yeah, we are hot out here. You know, it's my idea to do it outside, but hopefully we don't die out here. It's a nice little setting. But Faith, you want to answer the next question? I'll just show maybe, I'll just show where we are. 
Sure. For those watching, but yeah, that's a pretty awesome. Up. Hopefully, it doesn't rain on us. I'll show you too, Faith. One second. Yeah. But yeah, it's a little, little hot here today. At least no rain. Faith, yeah. it might that's see this. See this opener. Look up. up. See that? Wow. Yeah. yeah, it looks nice. It looks nice. Okay. How long have you been here? Or rather, in Thailand, or rather, yeah, Thailand, yeah. How long now? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks. Just got back. Oh, yeah. Okay. You yeah. should come visit here in Manila. Yeah, I'm, I'm open to it. I've only been on a layover once to Manila, but yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Wow, okay. It's always more fun than the Philippines, right, Faith? I agree. I agree. Well, I don't want to keep our listeners and our viewers keeping this too long. Well, our today's topic, it's mostly on alternatives to selling your business. And again, this is very perfect, perfect, perfect topic, I believe so, for the GFA community. And also many of us are really bootstrappers and lifelong entrepreneurs who builds a business enjoy the start, but are not sure what to do once it hits a certain critical mass. And of course, what kind of people mostly do you think this topic would be for? Absolutely. Well, tapping back with Koran, you've been you, you've been there. You've even done that with your business. And what can you say? Can you share some of examples, what it looks like being an entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. So most people think path of entrepreneurship is binary. You either have your business, you continue to run it or try to grow it, or you sell it. Everyone thinks it's it's a binary option. There's there's a whole plethora of of solutions or options out there when it comes to de-risking your position as a business owner because most entrepreneurs as I'm sure you'd resonate too, I do. Most of your net worth is tied up in the business typically, um, especially once you hit that critical mass, like you mentioned, Faith, when you're bootstrapping, you get that, that momentum going and then you start to be able to take some cash off the table. But usually at that point, it's, that's when your business is also worth something. So oftentimes entrepreneurs will think, well, should I sell or my friends are in e-commerce and they're selling, should I sell my business as well? And there's no right or wrong answer, but I like to think about all the other options that are available to you as an entrepreneur before, before actually selling the business. It's worth thinking about just to know that there's other possibilities. And I can go through a couple of those or some examples. I'm really open to Yeah, I think we'll do some examples in a bit. Okay. I'm excited. Cool. Awesome. Super happy to hear that. And honestly, I really agree. It's always the wider view that you're looking into the picture. We totally agree. Any inputs on that, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll get into examples. You know, I think we have a shorter outline today, but I, I want to learn as well. I think, you know, we picked this topic, Corin, we're preparing for this show while you're here. I think a lot of our, our audience, our listeners, our small business owners, bootstrappers, hustlers, making things happen, traveling all over the place. Like I just did a, like a, I did a consultation. I mentioned this. His name's Austin. He might be might be listening today, but he's, you know, he's in Canada, came setting up in Hong Kong, living in Thailand, doing e-commerce, you know, Shopify stores, building things up. So exciting for him. But I think a lot of times people hit that plateau, right? And then they wonder, should I flip it, sell, do it again? Should I? And I, so I think we list, going through some examples will be really great today, but I'm, I'm excited. 
Absolutely. I totally agree on that. Well, of course, I want to ask this as well. I think most of our viewers and our listeners would love to hear from Koran. What are the first steps someone needs to do to prepare for this alternative to selling your business? Yeah. So the, the first thing that got me on this path was my own business. So as a personal journey, I guess. I, I think that's an overused word, but let's just use journey for now. I was actually hiking in Austin with my wife one Saturday morning. I'm listening to a podcast, as I always do while I'm hiking, and I heard the story of John Paul de Jura, the founder of Patron Tequila, a bunch of other businesses. And he told the story, quite personal story, of going broke, not just broke, homeless three times on his way to becoming a billionaire. And I mean, that's a pretty big headline. I was like, okay, but what am I going to learn from this? This is fascinating. And his biggest realization over the years with all the companies he's in, I mean, uh, just Patron Tequila alone sold for something like $5.1 billion to Bacardi. So he's not talking about small opportunities here. But what he said was he always, he learned the hard way to always take cash out of the business and invest outside of his businesses for him and his family. And his chosen vehicle is real estate. There's a number of real, a number of reasons why real estate is thing and effective for him. But that was the first time I heard someone who was at that level talk about taking cash out of a business before selling. So we didn't wait to have that massive sale to Bacardi to actually start investing. I think that's where most small business owners get tripped up is we, because we are bootstrapped and we are the business for the most part, that's where you, you really just pour everything into this and you kind of don't think about outside of the business at all because you see so much opportunity. So I think that's number one where people go wrong is investing too heavily in time and money, energy into that one opportunity because it's actually pretty high risk. So yeah, that's, that's what I'd say is probably the, the biggest mistake. The second, and I go through this with companies I advise, friends as well when they, when they ask for my advice, not everyone wants advice, but sometimes they do. I, the way I look at business is you create a business really for two reasons. One is to do none of the work, and the second is to get rich. And I usually add some adjectives around that, <laughs> just to get rich, right? And most people forget that's the reason to start a business. Now, it might sound harsh or too blunt mm. to think about it like that, but if you're not doing that, go get a job. Mm. You'll have way less risk, you'll be paid more, you can shut off at the end of the day, and you can go spend time with your kids and your family, right? Like, otherwise, don't do it, is, mm. is my thought. <laughs> I think I'm making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> what are your inputs, Mike? I believe so. You have some as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a, he went the comment about taking money out of business. It makes me think of crypto investing or investing in stock market. You know, the crypto market's in a bear mode, I'd say, right now, as well as I think maybe the stock market, too. And I, I'm in various Telegram groups of crypto investors, and they're all like, I should have taken money off the table. You know, you'll hear a lot of people saying, didn't, why didn't I sell when there was that top, right? Of course, you can't ever time the market, but I guess a similar idea of your own business, you should find some times to, to take some money off the table, 
I, you know, also, you know, I'm not a big gambler. Maybe I'm a gambler in business, but uh, you know, when you're gambling at the casino, right? The, my favorite, when I did it, I would take my money I invested or gambled and put it in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And I say, all the money on this table is my winnings. Right. So if I lose it all, I can, of course, you, you probably still can <laughs> gamble your face, but I separate it. I put it in different pockets at the casino. Yeah. So it's a similar mindset, you know, like whether it's investing in stocks or a casino or a business, take some money off the table. I think in the bear market right now, I'm seeing it a lot in the Telegram groups. They're like, next time there's a bull market, I'm taking my uh, capital off the table mm-hmm. and then I'll play with house money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a similar thought, yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. It's It's kind of... It goes against most entrepreneurs' nature because we're always about exponential growth and I've got this, I can just sell my way out of this problem. It's a really good thing to think about. Could I share another story real yes. quick? Yeah, we have. A, that's what today's about. I'm All excited right, well, to hear these. So the, that podcast was the first thing for me personally, but the second thing for me personally was I was in Puerto Carmen. This was about three years ago, I think. I'd had the worst week in my business life. I'd had multiple multi-million dollar deals falling apart, about a million dollars in commission swinging in one week. It actually, most of that came down to one day. It was a Wednesday, I remember it very vividly. <laughs> the world was just caving in, basically. And it was a really tough week, got through it. I won't go into the details of that, and also I can't because of NDAs, et cetera. But it was a tough week. And I woke up Saturday morning, it was about 3.20 a.m., woke up and I was in a pool of sweat, similar to where I am right now. Hopefully it's still on. I woke up in a pool of sweat and I, I just felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. Couldn't breathe, I was sweating crazy. One of my arms was going numb. I'm like, which is it the left or the right arm if you're having a heart attack? I, I felt like I was having a heart attack. Oh, to make it worse, I was in Mexico. I didn't speak enough Spanish and there's no Uber, as weird as that might sound. So I couldn't even, if I wanted to, like, I started thinking, how could I even get to a hospital right now? Like, it was that. It was that level. My wife's asleep next to me. I didn't even try to wake her up. I thought, I'm going to die. I'm, I'm literally going to die. And it was after that experience where I realized at the time I was the business. Quite literally, I was the business. So even our clients, the, all that issue that I'd had that week, if I had have died right there, they would have been screwed. Like they had no advisor other than me. So it was those two things, taking cash off the table, investing outside the business, and also I was the business. I was actually doing a disservice to our clients by it just being me. So that was a pretty big wake up. I mean, sometimes, like we were saying just before about taking money off the table to invest outside your business, sometimes, unfortunately, you need something to push you for the reason that that's important. Plus, in my business as well, as I mentioned, there was about a million dollar swing that week. If it all had fallen apart, that would have meant a million dollars less for me personally. And that's a pretty big swing. So when you're dealing with large and maybe it's not numbers that large or maybe it's billions for you i'm not sure but that uh, i needed some peace of mind yeah so that was a pretty big wake-up call yeah that's that is thanks for sharing that that's a scary time i wonder i remember like friday the 13th 2020 was when the world shut down Mm, i don't know if that was that same week but that was a scary week 
That was when COVID really like locked down everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the story. Honestly, it's pretty inspiring, especially to the listeners that we have. We have a lot of listeners, honestly, startups, entrepreneurs, business owners. Honestly, this is a good story. Everyone to hear from Coron, mainly from all of his ex experiences. Again, this is where he's building himself to be one of the entrepreneurs that he is. He's now today. And of course, speaking of mistakes, again, it would always be the mistakes that builds us better as an entrepreneur. I think a lot of people would tr truly agree on that. And of course, speaking of mistakes, the pitfalls and mistakes and many make during the transition of preparing this alternative model that you have seen. Any inputs on that, Corin? Yeah, well, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all approach, especially in the M&A world as a whole, the mergers and acquisitions space. It's really tough to get unbiased advice mm. and someone you can actually listen to because normally you might be talking to a friend that sold their business so they have one view of the world. And you might be talking to a buyer directly. And you know, most buyers reaching out directly, it's not to give you a better deal in selling your business. They have an agenda. If you're talking to a business broker, they have the agenda of selling a business. If you're talking to a, an accountant or a tax attorney, they have a different agenda. So it's really hard to get unbiased advice from one trusted advisor be like, what should I do? What are the options for me personally? And that's where I'd start, is finding someone who is unbiased. And even if they are biased, they're upfront about how their bias works, right? And then ask a lot of different people as well. Because when it comes to building a business, say you build it to seven, eight, nine figures, 10 in revenue, you, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm untouchable. You know, I'm the king of the world. I did this, I can do anything. And maybe you can. But when it comes to anything financial, if, you're not, if your background isn't in mergers and acquisitions, you don't have a lot of deal-making experience, specifically buying and selling companies, you won't know what all the options look like. And if you're not talking to more than one person, you don't actually have perspective or contrast of what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So this is really important to get some help with someone who's been there before done it for you. So a quick quick story that will give you something real to grasp this. One of the clients I advise, they started out as a client, now I'm an advisor on their team. They were planning for an exit. So we started working together almost three years ago now and they were growing super fast and they were just operators. These guys are sharp operators, they're very niche focused, they have an advantage. And we were talking about how do we build the business up to sell. What happened was we through these conversations talking about what they really wanted, what their options were, and also looking at the market as a whole, like what was happening in that space. We actually figured out a way for them to take, essentially get investors. This was a, a pretty specific structure that we did to find investors to buy the business from themselves, maintain majority equity in the company that bought this business, so they're in control, but also take significant cash off the table. So for them, they, got, they had the best of both worlds. They took cash off the table, and now they're also still operating and still scaling that main business. And the model they're using is acquisition. So we went and found investors, negotiated terms to go and do that. And because they are operators, like we were talking about before, like a lot of times in the private equity world or 
business roll-ups and then e-commerce is aggregators, which is just another label for, for this. But there's a very specific type of group that typically does that. It's mostly finance-driven. They're not operators. So we knew there was a gap in the market, and we were, we were very confident on what to do next. And for these guys, as a group, they've taken cash off the table to de-risk themselves to invest outside their business, but also they still have majority in this company. So if they do things like if they perform, which they are currently performing, outperforming where we thought they'd be, they basically 10x their revenue and profit and probably 20x their value in about a year. Wow. It's insane. That is insane. But that's not a play for everyone either. Mm. <laughs> you know, not everyone wants to take that level of risk. Not everyone wants to triple down on workload, etc. There's a lot of different variations there. Yeah. I think for some of the listeners, the more basics that maybe you're assuming that people are doing, but finances, right? Mm-hmm. If they want to do something like this, they need to have good books, right? Like at least a year of clean books or... Because I think a lot... I, I talk to these people and a lot of times people are mixing personal and business or they're doing a few different kinds of companies in one company. So would you also say probably obviously that's I think you assumed that but I just want to make sure that's clear I think if somebody's planning to do this to make sure their books are clean and up to date and organized right that's obvious that's obvious one right so that example I just shared I wouldn't suggest that for a solo printer that doesn't have a good operating team but to have a good operating team and to know your numbers you do need good financials absolutely so that's if you're not there yet that's a great place to start yeah so <laughs> some people maybe are like get the financials under control and know your numbers even um, even a framework like profit first even though some accountants think it's kind of hokey it it's a framework that you can use mm-hmm. to actually manage your cash flow we've had a lot of clients use profit first and have great results as a as a result, they actually know their margin on products, for example, and know how much they're investing and can take off the table. So something like a profit-first system or having a good team around you to help you interpret the numbers, because often as an entrepreneur, that's the last thing you want to do, right? <laughs> you mostly look at it at the end of the year begrudgingly just to do your taxes or something, and then, oh, if I've got money in the bank, I've made money. Well, that's not really how business works, especially an inventory-based business. You, yeah. want, you want a little bit more granular detail than that. Agreed. Yeah, so get your books in order for sure is a, is a kind of a basic one, but I just want to make sure people, people heard that. Mm. Thanks for sharing. We truly love that. And we, we have been hearing this one from you. And again, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that would really love to hear you. Again, you've been advising business owners and entrepreneurs, and you've been helping them max up to the next level as well. And of course, in relation to that, this is a question again, the draw, what are the drawbacks of this alternative model versus simply selling the business outright. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go back to the first idea of taking money off the table. If you take money out, especially an inventory-based business, if you take cash out of the business without knowing your numbers, then you could actually take too much cash out of the business. And in an inventory-based business, cash is the engine, basically, that runs the business. So you can, there's a a risk of taking too much capital out of the business. You could be investing in something that has a much lower return or much lower chance of success as well. So you need to be careful with when to do these different strategies. And like I mentioned on that, the other client that I'm working with, 
you know, going and, and selling a business into a new entity to go do acquisitions, it's definitely not for everyone either. So in some cases, selling the business is the best option. The way I look at it, and actually, I heard this from about Warren Buffett. He's probably the most misquoted investor of all time and one of the most famous. So this is what I understand from this quote is he owns a shopping mall in, in LA somewhere and he was, he was saying he gets offers for this shopping mall all the time. And every time he gets an offer for this asset, he looks at the numbers and says, would I buy this asset for this price? And whenever the answer is no, meaning it's too high, then he'd sell. So that's another way to think about selling versus keeping a business. I, I like to think of, as I went back to those first two reasons to start a business, to do none of the work and get rich, if you can do this along the way, your business will actually be more valuable. So the, more, the less you're involved in the business, the more profitable it is, the more history there is, the more valuable more valuable it is, everything else being equal. Right? So if you can master that first, then do that. Oftentimes we see clients sell or business owners sell when they, it's not their main business or they have something bigger that they're going into. So a guy I was talking to a couple of years ago had two brands he was working on. One was a pretty good opportunity, thought he could probably get that to about a $20 million valuation and he was about halfway there at this point in time. But the other project he was working on had probably billions of opportunity. So for him, selling the smaller one, although smaller is relative, right, to focus on this larger opportunity was a no-brainer for him. It made sense to sell one and focus on the other. There's no right or wrong. Personally, I just like to know that my assets are saleable at any point in time. That way you, as the owner, have have control as opposed to just waiting until someone knocks on the door and then, then you've got to do all this other stuff. Yeah. If I could add, I can reflect on some of the points. <clears throat> I, it's not like some of this basically, the Warren Buffett one makes me think of the shotgun clause mm -hmm. in a buy-sell. Yeah. Where you want to buy or sell a company, the, the clause is like you put a number and the other person can buy or sell at that price, I believe is what that clause means. I don't want to get too technical, but... It's mostly for partnerships. Yeah, I think yeah. that's for small businesses, yeah. but it made me think of that clause. Mm -hmm. But it's a good point. Like you always are thinking, would I buy, if somebody wants to buy this from me, would I buy it at that price, mm -hmm. right? And then my other comment is, is another reason maybe is, is it like, I and I were talking a lot, you know, Faith, I was explaining all the things we're doing. <laughs> but I, I tried to, exp I know it's a lot, but I'm tr we're trying to kind of have it somewhat relatable in, in, a, in, a, in a niche or in a vertical. You know, of course, we're in e-commerce and cross-border trade and like maybe online work. So when I, when I look at opportunities to buy or sell, I look at, is this a strategic thing for my group of businesses? Yep, everything's good with that. And honestly, truly agree on that. Again, it's always the analyzation of the best decision that we need to do in our business. And of course, I think a lot of our listeners and viewers would love to know as well, can we go through the steps of an e-commerce business doing this method of the alternative of selling their business? And we can make up a brand or we can even use Mike as a live sample. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think we'll touch on Mike's stuff because it's a little complicated. It's a rat's nest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can definitely take this from the perspective of an e-commerce brand. So I, 
I've worked with a lot of e-commerce companies over the years, and I definitely see life cycle or cycle change cycles within a business. So what changes when? Typically, in the beginning, if it's your first product or your first brand, you're just trying to figure out what what sells. You're trying to get that product to market fit, right? So that's the first wave: is can you find something to actually sell, yeah, right? Yeah, to make money. Yeah, <laughs> then get it to make money, then double down on that niche, hopefully the same category because you get leverage there, or similar products, so you're getting leverage on your supply side or something. So you're, you're really trying to find something that sells, then can you rank and can you get some critical mass there to get economies of scale to boost your margin, right? So can you even get that happening? The next stage is can you actually take some cash out of the business? Can you take a salary from the business? Can you take some profit distribution? And this is where Profit First really helps if you don't have a, a finance background to give you some frameworks on how to look at your business a little bit differently and like an investor to actually take some cash out of the business. So really getting to that escape velocity where you can actually take cash out of the business is really the goal of the business. So that's really where you want to start even thinking about all of this stuff. Then it's what are you, you're looking at your available options, kind of scanning at any given time. A really great book on this is Purple Cow, or oh, The Purple Seth Cow Godin. by Seth, Seth yeah. Godin, right? He talks about, I, I thought I knew what Purple Cow was all about. I haven't read it, to be honest. I, I know the book, but I haven't read it. <laughs> so it, it gives you an impression and people talk about it. I'd highly recommend reading it. My biggest takeaway from Purple Cow was to how big companies, essentially they can create really profitable, successful products and then just ride them forever. Like a Kodak, for example, just thought, hey, film's it. Let's just double down on this forever and not looking at every other force in the market, every other technology change, etc. So you never want to be Kodak. You always want to be looking at what's coming next in your space and what are your what are your customers going towards? What are your customers what else are they buying? I like the framework of before, during and after. So what are my customers buying before at the same time and then after my product or service or whatever it might be? So really understanding your customer is is critical. All of this, by the way, adds to value on the other side when you do sell. <laughs> so none of this is wasted time. And then I know this is unpopular, but figuring out how to sell direct to your customer, building that relationship directly with your customer is time well worth spent as well. But yeah, trade shows are super underrated. I don't hear a lot of people talking about going to industry-specific, category-specific trade shows. There's a number of reasons to go there. One, you can meet retail buyers if you're selling physical products or e-commerce like we're talking about. You can go meet retail buyers, you can go meet distributors. There's a whole world outside of e-commerce. A lot of business is done in the real world still, right? Also, you can meet larger competitors. So you can meet the 500-pound gorilla, you can meet the PNGs of the world, the Hasbro, whatever it might be, whatever your category is. You can meet them face-to-face -face and start building relationships that can pay off down the line. A really big example of this is Dollar Shave Club. So I heard Mike speak about selling, building and selling Dollar Shave Club to Unilever. And th that all came about because he had a relationship with the CEO mm. that he'd met along the way. True. And that was a billion dollar sale. So it kind of worked out okay yeah, that was worth it. <laughs> on, the, on the other end. So yeah, that's a super underrated thing that, that can be done really at any point. You should start 
getting offline in your category. I've seen huge returns. I would, I'm, you know, I mentioned we're starting back New York Bar Store, my, my first business, first kind of like main business, you know, significant business. And we did trade shows too. We did trade shows in New York, Atlantic City, Vegas, bar shows. It was so fun, but I kept some pictures with the booth babes. They saw it. And, uh, and, but it was true. We met so many, so many like distributors. We added so much to our business by going to these industry shows. I, I would agree with that for sure. And yeah, we, we, we made a lot of deals. It's true. I would agree with that a lot. Yeah, that's where you can really get scale to help with some of this other stuff. As another plane goes over. Another airplane. I guess Chiang Mai, where <laughs> I guess it's the, everybody likes to fly in midday. It's a good time to fly. Yeah, well, that's where you can get scale, right, to, to give you all of these other options. So really getting to scale, being able to take cash off the table, being able to take profit off the table, so not just the salary, not just the minimal salary, actual meaningful profit without killing your future upside is, is really, these are the, the latter steps basically to get where you, where you want to go. You're making me think, you know, I did, I did help a startup weekend for a few years in China. I helped it. And, you know, in the tech space, I even worked in some tech startups, started a tech startup. And then it's not as much as common in the bootstrapping, entrepreneur, e-com space. But in the tech space, it's either you're going to be the biggest or die. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to acquire and, and roll up or you're just going to get trampled and die. You know, a lot of times in tech, that sounds like something. So maybe in tech... Also, you're like, I have to, I can't just, I, I could do a trade sale and sell, but I want to get bigger, I raise money, I take money off the table. I mean, I'm just kind of adding to your thought, but it sounds like yeah. a tech business strategy too for like a tech startup. And also going back to your point of knowing your numbers, that's where you can really get a lot of opportunities or different options when it comes to raising capital or take taking money off the table. If you know know your numbers, okay, if we had another million dollars, here's what we'd do with it organically in our own business versus we want to go buy a, a competitor or buy a sales channel or buy a customer database, get access to a customer database, things like these, that you can actually say, here's the numbers, you'll, be, you'll have a, a really good time, a much better chance and a better time raising capital mm. and talking to investors than if you don't know your numbers. You know, you make me, I don't want to get too much of a tangent, but we're talking about the aggregator space and, you know, I have a lot of friends that are operators. I think, you know, like our kind of community, we're, especially in Asia, I feel we're more like these bootstrappers, hustlers, hard workers, and we know our business, we know our strategies. And then this aggregator wave came in this FBA space, and it just, all these people didn't even know how to run an Amazon business that are like bigger than us, you know? And it was kind of frustrating, like a whole bunch of my Amazon seller friends, you know, in this space were like, you know, even in the podcasting space, they're getting sponsorships and consulting. I'm like, but why aren't we the ones buying them? Why are they buying us? But so it makes me think like you need to know your numbers, you need to know f finance. It still seems like finance and, 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 and money, even if you're an operator and you're an expert in your space, it doesn't seem to matter as much as the guy with the big bag of money from the, uh, the investment companies. Well, I guess that, that's a great segue into something we haven't really talked about yet, which is the problem with being a bootstrapper is oftentimes you'll think, I have to do everything. Mm. I have to know finance. I yeah. have to know this. I have to know that. And really, that's where profit comes into it. The larger your profit gets, some of the things you should invest in outside of your business, in my opinion, is 
in either gaining skills or gaining access to and bringing in team members that can help you with things like this. So maybe there's a firm that you can work with to help with one piece of this that you can invest in. Maybe there's a training you can go do just to understand the concept a little bit better and then find the right people. Because sometimes with marketing, for example, sometimes you'll hire a PPC agency. This happened to me, this is a real story. Hired a PPC agency and I thought, oh, they'll handle all of it. And they didn't, their copy was horrible, they didn't understand my customer. They also had, when I went in the back end and had a look, they had ads running to the wrong things. So they were talking about something, like the ad was going to the wrong opt-in page and things. And it's because they don't care, right? It's the, and I chose a really bad firm. <laughs> that was a, a big mistake there. So yeah, you don't need to know everything, but also it's hard to outsource everything to one firm. So you also want to know in general, like the overview of what you're looking for. And training can help with that. And I, we were talking about this before, but I, I didn't finish high school. And I've spent something like $750,000-ish on personal development, understanding business models, business systems, coaching, training, courses. I've spent, I've invested a lot, right, to get to where I am now. And maybe if you went to college, you might spend 100000 and four years. Well, I've spent 30 years and almost a million dollars. <laughs> so you need to keep keep on top of this, it's important. Agreed, yeah, always investing in yourself, right? I think yeah. investing in knowledge, investing, Faith works super hard, we're super proud of Faith. We'll, we'll be sharing some of her her journey too soon or maybe even today, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's we have to invest in ourselves, invest in our knowledge and uh, invest in what we like to do and what we're strong at. I'm reading another a really good book now, Effective Executive, Peter Drucker. Mm -hmm. It's been on my list forever and I have some, some time to read it. Not time, but it's, I have a book reading time in my day. <laughs> so it's on the next on the list. But he says, don't focus on your weakness, focus on your strength. And a lot of times we try to keep, a lot of times people try to improve all their weaknesses to be average. Mm -hmm. But I think you gotta find your strength and build your strength and then find others to, whether it's hiring or partners or, or whatever, but finding others to, to complement your strengths and weaknesses. Another really good book on that is Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. That book was just game-changing to me. Your coach is awesome too if you want to go deeper into the coaching, like business coaching world. It's pretty awesome. But yeah, Who Not How is a, is a pretty great concept. Man, my reading list is growing today. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's a lot, well, there's a lot that people can really read on that. And again, I think on the takeaways for today, it's, it's all about knowing and finding the right people to work with that actually cares and wants to grow your business with you. And again, it's always just knowing your numbers and being able to be Again, it's always helping back, doing back. And again, a lot of entrepreneurs right now that is listening, that is watching us can really relate on where you're at right now, special also. But if your journey is mainly with Mike and you, and this is something that they would just learn from you, like how you're learning from the podcast that you are listening and doing hiking, it's the same thing that entrepreneurs and business owners will be doing right now, hearing this podcast and watching this podcast and learning more about your experiences. And we are so happy about that. Again, thank you so much, Coran. Again, of course, what have you been doing lately? 
So the, the main thing outside of investing and advising companies is billion dollar exits. So you can go over there, I've got some resources, billiondollarexits.com. I do a, a workshop with founders. It's not a fit for everyone, obviously, but you can go get some free resources there, figure out what I'm doing over there. And we're opening, opening up some more opportunities there, but billion dollar exits is where I spend most of the time finding clients. To yeah, there's a great clients. video on your homepage. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. got a really long video right on the homepage. I checked out, definitely recommend it. Yeah. It's raining on us face. This is crazy. It's starting to rain. Yeah. So I guess that's a wrap. This is a fun show. We're not going to forget this one. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, everyone and all of our listeners right now, since it's already raining here with Mike and Coran, well, you know where to catch Coran. And of course, please do support him and all of his business. Again, this is a wonderful man that would love to help you in growing and scaling your business. Again, thank you so much. This is again with you, Faith and Mike and Coran today in our podcast. And we look forward to seeing and hearing with you again very, very soon. And thank you to our sponsor, our returning sponsor, Mercury.com, online bank. Well, it's a real bank, but you can do it totally online for US. Our Blimp program participants are going through this as well. Thank you, Mercury. Travis is great there. He's been on our show. He's been in our events. We're going to have another event where we will have them attending as well. And if you want to get a little bonus for you and us, if you sign up and do some special circumstances you can go to globalformasia.com slash mercury i also have a video tutorial that we use even for the blimp people they use the same exact video to learn how to use it i hope you can check it out totally free why not see you there all right thank you corin that was fun you know i think it's in the recording but it started to rain on us literally like <laughs> you know like I know some people like it. I guess if they're listening to the show, they like it. But I, I kind of, we kind of wing stuff here, you know. We kind of wing it. I keep it interesting. But I met Corin at a at a restaurant here in Chiang Mai for brunch, and then, uh, and then I squeezed in this interview. But we were looking for a quieter place. I was actually going to do it in a restaurant, but he was probably smarter, saying it was a little bit loud there. And uh-huh. We should go somewhere else. And he's like, oh, we can go to this lobby, and so if it is open ceiling but anyway <laughs> so we, yeah we, it's raining i believe so in the later part of the video it was but it. we were still conversing it was so yeah. funny very informative honestly what can you say about the topics we have covered you know chaining to Donald? more than i talked to him after and you know i really appreciate his help he's, he's you know he thinks i'm something you know actually quite a few friends tell me I have a, some kind of a problem. <laughs> like I just work too hard. And that's not like he said in the interview, I think. And you start a business, for, I think for one or two reasons, but mostly it's to make, make money or to have more time, I think are the two things he said. And I remember listening when he was, I was like, those are not the reasons I do it. I mean, that's probably a bad reasons, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I have, yeah, I guess it's true. I've had other friends, business mentors saying I have, they actually said I should see a psychiatrist about it because I just seem to like to work and work and work because he's pretty amazing how much we do here. And like, yeah, I don't know. I just think, 
maybe it is a problem. Maybe I really have a problem because I just work day until night. You know, I get up at 5.30 even on Thanksgiving day and I work all day until like, you know, 9 p.m. basically. Maybe a couple breaks with the kids or something, but I just work all day, every day. Well, I can't, honestly, I, I want to agree because it's just, it just runs in you. It's, it's just, you just want, you know, there's, or for the listeners and podcast viewers, sometimes there's no reason, right? Because that's really you. That's just really you. And honestly, sometimes I just feel like getting up and just doing all of the things I want to do, because a lot of times just want to let you know, Mike, once my head is in focus mode, I want to just continue what I'm doing, because a lot of times I would just, you know, because I tend to divert all of my, there's too much of knowledge, there's too much of things that's in my head, the ideas tend to just crash and just, you know, without yeah creating anything because of that too much ideas right mm -hmm. so I just want to place in every single thing so it's hard I, sometimes I I will be working even up until the morning if for everyone that's watching I work even at night so it's it's always like that it's always like that so we're being workaholic don't even need to see psychiatrists what <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't Corin, but it was somebody else that was a really respected business person. But yeah, he, <laughs> we were at a conference, and I I don't want to you know he probably wouldn't care if I said who it was, but he's a pretty respected mentor, business owner, and he was saying he was like a millionaire before he was thirty, and he didn't work hard as me, and he's followed me for so long, and he knows I work so hard, and comparing me to other people that make a lot more money that are you know working less than me, and that why am I like that. It was like that for like 10 or 15 minutes. I was listening to him and it was, and he just says like, if you can't pick one thing and do it, you know, maybe you just need to accept it. You need to seek professional help. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, he was not joking. Seriously. Oh, not joking. I see. I see. Well, in my opinion, just do what you got to do. If you're happy, that's what matters at this point. At least you're taking care of your businesses. Are you happy with what you're doing? Taking care of your, of giving jobs. Well, that's your passion. That's really you. And that's what matters at this point, right? And yeah, even having to think that. And not it's not only just giving jobs, because this is what you love doing every single day. You just have, you're contented about it. And I, in my opinion, I would love to, to be, honestly, I want to be like you very, very soon, hopefully. Yeah, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. And <laughs> exactly. Another friend, I don't know if I mentioned this to you. He was early in my China journey and we were potentially going to partner up in the sourcing and factories. And then, you know, he's like saying, I guess I'm just not, you know, he was going to be like the bad guy that was going to help me say no and help me like make sure we get paid enough to do things and focus on what makes money. And I was, I just remember being like, <laughs> you know, I just remember being like, I don't want to do that, you know, <laughs> makes money and not, and I don't know. I guess there's, you know, usually there's two parts. There's a person that's good at like making the business side and the, the artist or the creative side, right? Like there's almost left brain, right brain, right? So yeah, there's this, you know, actually a, another friend, a podcaster, inspiration, Dan Andrews from Tropical MBA podcast. It's a really old blog post 
Sowers and reapers. So he says a, a sower is like the artist, the creator, the builder. And then a reaper, like in a, I don't know if you know it, a reaper is like the one cutting down the. the yeah. Rope. Yeah. So what I thought for reaper, it's like the cartoon. I yeah, think. it sounds scary. It What's is. that? <laughs> but a sower is the one planting the seeds. And then That's the reaper is the one that after the, like, say the rice or the, like, you know, the, the scathe, right? And they're going around and they're chopping it down to sell it or to 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 to, to bear the fruits of the harvest. Exactly. So you need the one person that builds it and then the one person that sells it or, you know, promotes it or, or structures it or creates a company around the product that's the artist or builder has created. So I've kind of realized that, but uh, I just keep hoping I build enough stuff but we do have some focus. I mean, it's around e-commerce, Amazon. Honestly, Faith, I was on a two and a half hour call before this. It was from, it was from eleven, well, twelve thirty to three. Or you're busy about it. Or two, right? I mean, I'm messed up with Thailand and Philippines time zones. <laughs> but <laughs> it was nonstop back to you know. Some people joined, but we were just talking about all these different Amazon brands, and we had different people joining. We're talking about the marketing for them content strategy for them so there is some focus but but anyway there's a lot coming in i believe so i want to get an update as well since that last time we were able to talk about a shadow and another new project i believe so you want to tap in more into that just let let our viewers know what's happening on that kind of side you know, well, we have half the products on Amazon and the other half are still being sorted out. I'll just say that maybe next time. But uh, I mean, the launch is going well. Today's Black Friday. As we record this, the show goes on less next week, but we're the Black Friday have specials. We're doing the Vine program. We're getting influencers, ambassadors, picking up all the different lines. I mean, it's 40 different ASINs or SKUs at once with a brand new brand. So it's a massive undertaking and, you know, it takes a lot of different skill sets to PPC the content, the you know, launch, the outreach. So it's getting some traction. Still just getting a very, you know, it's only been a couple of weeks or a few weeks. So it's still just getting some reviews, still just getting some, you know, but of course you're looking at the return rate. You're looking at the sales velocity, the ranking, the PPC. You know, we're, we're not trying to earn profit right now. We're mostly investing heavily in PPC. We're investing in, you know, all these different uh, initiatives. So it's, it's not going to be like cash flow positive right now because we're we're in launch phase and getting that flywheel going, which we've done in the past. So, but it's super overwhelming. I've never done so many products at the same time, to be honest. It's really crazy. But but at least it's on progress. Everyone's waiting for it as well. And there's a lot of products coming in. You guys should be waiting for this one. It's a big thing here. It seems like you're pretty busy in the end of coming for this year. It's already December and we're so excited with the retreat as well. Yeah, the retreat. And I'm about to meet Mike, guys, yes. if everyone's watching. It's in yes. December 7th. 7th and 9th. Yeah, tag a tie. Exactly. Everyone's ready for it, especially I saw the jackets. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love the design. And everyone's waiting for the secret Santa. I yeah. believe so. Everyone's excited for it. I know. Some people have been changing it. I guess they shouldn't let you, but somebody says, but yeah, I mean, I got, you have yours all set. 
Yeah. Uh, I honestly, I just got the gift last two days. It's all, all, it's all said. I'm just going to bring that up. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Of course, to me, you, especially the team that we have been working with for almost how many months now and super excited, honestly, it's a, it's a new chapter for us. Yeah. 2023 coming in with new products, new launches, new podcast episodes, yeah. and new guests. Well, there's a lot to wait on this, guys. And it's just up to you if you want to be on the journey with us. Any more that you want to add into it here, Mike? We're good. We're good. I'm excited too. I mean, we're like you said, we're always trying to get opportunities for people, trying our best to like, you know get people involved and there's just so much to do <laughs> so much to do exactly all right <laughs> thanks faith thanks everybody for listening and see you in the uh, next episode all right we'll see you guys thank you so much and please don't forget to always be here and watch out for a new episode since that we have more coming in for the next few episodes we'll see you guys soon this is faith again here and with mike and we'll see you very very soon bye-bye for now to get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.